Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Oh, we got some mailbag questions for you today. Answered 100% correctly or this is the catch, folks, your money back on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, along with Steve Bursnick. So let, let's start here. I, I, I want to start with, well, we'll talk about the managers of the year, and then we're going to go to this Bills game. I don't know if you caught any of this the other night. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Woo! Um, but congratulations to Orioles manager Brandon Hyde. He is the AL manager of the year. Kevin Cash was nominated uh, twice a winner, not this time. He finished, what, third, Steve, I think it was? Yes, in third. the uh, yep. three-man vote. That's correct. Uh, and that would mean somebody was second, right? Yeah, that doesn't... would mean that, yes. <laughs> I don't know who it is. <laughs> I don't recall. I have no idea yet. who it was. <laughs> yeah. But Skip Schumacher uh, was the uh, NL manager, the Marlins manager. They had a good year as well. So, uh, yeah. I, and, and I think Hyde deserved it. I mean, these votes are usually taken before the postseason because, let's face it, nobody did well except the Texas Rangers um, when they got to the postseason. But um, – to go from where they were to you know over a hundred wins, and then another team chasing you that almost has a hundred wins, and you still maintain and win that division, especially after the race start that they had, um, that's really doing something. So, I think the Orioles are going to be good for a while. And uh, you know, having lost so many games over the years uh, to get this thing turned around, you know, I, I know managers don't they don't get in baseball for whatever reason. I don't, and I think you saw this, you know. Uh, with the Rangers, what a manager can do. We saw it with Joe Madden here. We've seen it with Kevin Cash. I think they're an invaluable part of baseball, but for some reason, they're not held in the same esteem, in my opinion, um, as like NFL coaches. Would you agree or disagree with that? Like when you talk about, you know, Don Shula, or, I mean, I know there's guys in baseball that have won multiple World Series and things like that, but it just seems like people just generally think, well, 162 games. How much can a manager really impact the product, right? Uh, but he really does. Oh, they absolutely do. Um, you know, I don't look. I mean, take Kevin Cash. Do you think the Rays are as good as they would they've been without a manager like Cash or Joe Madden prior? I mean, you got to find the right guy to fit that system. You got baseball is such a, a different sport than everything else because you play every day. Yeah, like, and and I've worked in it. It's a grind. Yeah, and, and you're I mean, you there. live with these guys. Like it's you see yeah. them mm-hmm. a lot, way more than you do your family. I mean, the other sports practice as much, and they're around each other. But you, you're playing games every day, like, right. and and you don't have time to even worry about last night's game, and because you're getting ready for today's game and this, and and you know a bad game can snowball if if, if your clubhouse isn't right, you're not managed right, you're not led right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it it can. I always say, you know, I got to 
to spend a lot of time with the Atlanta Braves in 2005. Mm-hmm. It was the last year of their 14 straight division championships. And throughout that year, the Braves used 18 rookies. Um, shouldn't have done as well as they did. But Bobby Cox had that clubhouse. He knew how to read the clubhouse and and knew how to keep it loose. There was five, six, seven times that season, you know, we'd sit there and, and they'd have a bad loss, you know, blew a huge lead or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And you're like, okay, this is where the wheels fall off. Because you were using so many rookies and this and, and the team, you know, it was just kind of, you know, you had 14 straight division champion or 13 going into that season. And the next day they would win every time. Like, mm. Because he never, you know, his style, it, it reminds me a lot of Joe Madden, to be honest. He was that way, yeah. yeah. Now, he's not as talkative in the media and, and, no. and some of that, but that never too high, never too low. Yeah. Like, it's one game. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm focused on the next three, not last yesterday. You know, that, that you know, there was never a fear of making mistakes. And, and you know, you're looking over your shoulder. That's, that's not the type of manager they were. It, and it, it it led to a, a clubhouse and a team that could just go play baseball. And that's so important right. in a sport that you play every day. Right. You know, a lot of people, and I'm not going to get in this discussion because I've had it too many times, but a lot of people talk about Todd Bowles or Tony Dungy type that, you know, not enough fire, right? Your teams, they reflect your coach in the NFL, not enough fire. And that's the biggest difference in football and baseball is that every game in football is, you know, like 16 games in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the immediacy of it and, 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 and the magnitude of it is much larger. You cannot ride the roller coaster for six months like that when you're playing every day, especially in a failure sport. You know, again, best player in the world is out, you know, seven out of ten times. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if you start, you know, screaming from the rafters because the guy – doesn't get a base hit or doesn't take a pitch or strikes out like you, it's going to be a it's going to be you know chaos and and so the games are so in, entirely different but yeah the buy-in to me is what cash and madden and those guys now they got a different set of circumstances with the rays and all the analytics and what they brought to the game um but even failing that like if you're around kevin cash you just realize he has this innate ability uh to communicate you know the the best coaches managers um everyone I've been around are the ones that just know how to, how to, how to, how to communicate, how to get their point across and do it their way. You know, like they can't, they don't try to be somebody else, Mm -hmm. but they also know how to talk to different personalities. Like some guys need to push some guys. That's part of, you know, just human nature and, and, and understanding the room, but they're really good at it. And I think that's what cash does the best and they get everybody involved and, you know, the Rays do a good job with that, but he's not just managing, you know, the thing about baseball too is, um, you know, at football, at any given time with the practice squad, you might have what? Now it's a 16-man practice squad, 53 players, so I don't do math, but whatever 69. that is. But they're they're coming, you know, they're in and out all the time, um, especially on the practice squad at times. But you're not in constant contact with every player on that roster, right? But if it's only a 25-man clubhouse, you bet you know everybody that's in there. And if if you're Madden and I mean look at the numbers of players that they use you know forty five fifty something players a season guys coming up and down from Durham all the time like he's really got to be into all those personalities and try to keep all those guys happy um, and and pulling in the same direction so it's really tough but um, certainly deserving but uh, Brandon Hyde wins it this year so congratulations to him okay 
Uh, we're going to get to him back in a second. I wanted to talk. Did you see how much of this crazy Monday night game have you watched, uh, even in the highlights? I'm telling you, uh, you know, the Bucks went up to Buffalo not too long ago on a Thursday night, and the Bills needed to win, and they did win. And I, but I wasn't overly impressed with them in some respects. Um, I thought they were clearly better than Tampa that night, and so therefore they won. But if you remember, it came down to a Hail Mary that if Chris Godwin gets his head around, he's probably going to catch. So they never really put the Bucks away the way they should have. And, you know, at times, I mean, Josh Allen that night probably hurt him as much with his feet. Uh, I think he had 41 yards as he did his arm. Uh, but but they, they, were, they were good, you know. They weren't great, but they were good. And then they play a Denver team that I swear to you, I, I look at that team and, and Russ is playing okay. Um, they probably should have more wins than they than they did coming out. And they dropped a you know a seventy burger on Miami, but it's not a great team. And Buffalo needed to win. They needed to win desperately. I don't know how many different ways you can give away a game, but they managed to find one more way. I mean, you know, turnover on the first play of the game, uh, turnover in the second series, like three bad ones. Uh, Josh Allen trying to go for too much at times. And yet, there they were, you know, with the game in hand, um, and they get a pass interference penalty. The ball gets driven down there. And then yet, just like one more way to lose, they send Will Lutz out there with time running down. There was no timeouts. uh, And there was plenty of time for them to get the field goal team onto the field, and they did. And Will Lutz kicks a, a field goal and misses it at the buzzer, wide right. And so, okay, game over, Bills win. And and really, at this point, that's just what they needed. They needed a win, any kind of win. They didn't play great the whole game, but they needed to walk out of there with a W. Wait, 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 12 men on the field? 12 men on the field? Like, And the 12th man is standing behind 11 guys. He's about 5 or 10 years off yards off the ball. If nothing else, if he just counts the guys in front of him, he can run off to the sideline and save that penalty. Mm-hmm. But it was... It was actually the Denver Broncos that were having to run on the field, not the Buffalo Bills. They knew that a field goal was inevitable. They knew, you know, you don't even have to take your. You know, I remember many times in situations where the Bucks wouldn't take their defense off the field for a field goal. They just keep Lynch and Sap and all those guys in there. Um, well, but in this case, you, you needed to block it. Well, you need to try to, yeah, yeah. because this is the game. I mean, he makes it; yeah. the game's over. You're you gonna lose. you're gonna put the block on, and that's yeah. why it didn't make sense to have even one guy back, right? Like that was what was conspicuous. Like, wait a minute, you got eleven guys at the line of scrimmage because you have to go all out to block this. Mm-hmm. But there was one guy standing ten yards behind him. Anyway, unforgivable mistake. Then the second try, of course, he makes it, and the Bills lose again. And I mean. That's about as as difficult a loss as I've seen a team have in some, some time. And what's what's now clear, uh, and Josh Allen probably rightfully so is going to get a lot of a lot of uh, pushback for this. But you know, he's for all the talent that he has, and I think he has immense talent. His team doesn't win enough, and they're they're in real danger. If you look at their schedule, they've got some. Really tough teams coming up that they have to play. I think they and got what the Eagles, Dallas, Dallas Eagles. I know they end with the Dolphins in Miami. Yeah, they're on there. Uh, There's about they have three the Chiefs of them. too. They have the Chiefs as well. They have the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. like the, those are the next three. I think it's Dallas, Philly, and I think you're Chiefs. right. Not in that order. I think you're but right. 
Yeah, but I think you're right. And and so I don't know where this is going to end up, but I'll tell you what, um, I don't think they're going to make the postseason, uh, which is which is tragic because when the season began, I think a lot of people picked them to be in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, if not at least in the AFC Championship game. But it's not going to happen. And their response to it was interesting because, I don't know, I might have gotten the special teams guy. Uh, they fired Ken Dorsey, their offensive uh, coordinator. Well, like, you know, you knew it was gone. done when he put ten men on the field or twelve men on the field in that last play. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's yeah. what they said. And when he sent that out, you know, his his uh, time was over. Wait, that was a special teams coach. <laughs> oh well, we got the wrong guy. Um, the other thing that people said was, well, once again, Russell Wilson benefited from the twelfth man. But there you go. Uh, you know, twelfth uh, man Seattle. So I. And, and now the other thing is I'm 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 listening to NFL Live and there's a lot of smart people on there um, that uh, I listen to and they showed some of the offense and it is fairly predictable like there's not a lot of creativity in it although you do have Josh Allen so he can create a lot on his own um, but probably something did need to be done. Um, I always say this, once you start firing coordinators, you're peeling the layer of the onion, right? You're just peeling the onion because pretty soon all that's going to be left is the head coach. And the question is now, you know, is this a situation where you used to see with Marty Schottenheimer or some other coaches, Tony Dungy in Tampa for a while, that, yeah, really good, not quite great, but can he win the big one? Can he get us to the big game? Um. So there's going to be some tough questions have to be asked in the postseason if if the season continues on the way it's going, which I think it will just because of the teams they play. But, man, what a weird Monday night game that was. It was just just giveaway after giveaway, you know, all the turnovers and anything they could do, the pass interference call to get them down there and then the missed field goal and then, you know, 12 men on the – it was just – it was – I don't know how you come back from that. You know, that's one that um, gets people fired and, in fact – it did get people fired, so uh, interesting. All right, so we've got uh, your mailbag questions coming up. Uh, again, answered 100% correctly or your money back. I want to tell you guys that for the past 14 years, however, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar, they've been installing solar energy systems now in Florida uh, for a good while, and they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors. They've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to the new homeowners with no fee. It's not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, well, the Bucks are getting ready for uh, their preparations to head out to the Bay Area, the other Bay Area, San Francisco, Santa Clara to be exact, to play the San Francisco 49ers. We'll be talking to Baker Mayfield and the boys uh, later today. So we've got some questions on the Bucks and other things, but let's get started. All right, Ellis asks, 
Why did it take a meeting of the entire defense in the same room for the corners to start playing press man coverage? Make it make sense. Um, I, I don't know why it would take that meeting for that to happen, and I'm not sure that that that, that is the case. In other words, uh, there was a meeting, and, and I think what happened based on what I was told is that, you know, usually – the defense watches the film of the previous game by position groups. Right? It makes sense. You know, you're concentrating on your guys, what you did on the defensive line, what you did in the secondary, all that. Okay. Well, this time Todd Bowles got them all in there together as a defense. And, and he ran the meeting and pointed out mistake after mistake after mistake. And he called guys out by name uh, in front of the whole group, uh, sort of like Santa's reindeer. Right. Uh, and, it, it was it was fairly brutal, from what I understand. I think uh, I was told players spoke up. I asked if they if they sort of spoke up about what they wanted to do or do more of or do less of, and Bowles assured me that it wasn't about game planning so much as just accountability. And um, you know they've got pretty good leaders on there, guys that have won rings, and we don't all know who they are. Um, and you know, there were other position groups that got together after that. I know the defensive backs did on Friday. So, okay, let's talk about why they suddenly played more press man. Uh, I think this, that Tennessee in their attack and the way they do things under Mike Brabel, especially with Derrick Henry, okay, they make no bones about what they're going to do. There is no disguising it. There's no... You know, nothing is, you know, they're going to line up and in the early downs, particularly first and second down, they're going to try to come downhill with Derrick Henry. They're going to try to get him rolling. Okay. And then, then you're going for a long day because then the play action and stuff works after that. Henry can rip off, you know, 150 yard games. Um, And so the, the attack for this particular team uh, meaning Tennessee was we're going to we're going to commit a lot of personnel in the early downs to stopping Derrick Henry and and they did uh now when you do that you're vulnerable to the play action and stuff like that but their theory was hey we have to play the run first on the way to the quarterback like Will Levitz is not CJ Stroud okay He's been he had been very good, especially with the deep ball. Um, but in terms of like what he sees, how quick he processes all that stuff, they were still playing Tennessee Titans football. They were they were playing around their quarterback a little bit, and 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 you would too, giving the ball to Derrick Henry. So their pass rush on Sunday when they rushed four, and sometimes in third down when they knew they had him in passing downs, they brought a lot of blitzes and things. Um, but when they rushed four, they were playing the run on the way to the quarterback. In other words, you weren't worried about uh, the quarterback beating you as long as you got the run on the ground. And so they hit Henry before he could get going, before he could really get downhill. They had 10, 10 tackles for losses in that game. Just incredible, you know. And guys like Marquise Watts, right, was fantastic. Um, Kalijah Kanzi was unbelievable, right? These guys were in the backfield all day and, and, and making tackles for losses. So with that style of, of offense where you know what you're going to get because Mike Brable doesn't care, he's just going to be more physical than you and, and come downhill with the big boy, um, 
So what does that allow you to do? Well, you're committing so many guys to the run, including your strong safety. You'll play a lot of single high. You, you've got to sort of get on top of these receivers, one of them being DeAndre Hopkins, who's exceptional. But you've got to try to disrupt some timing with those guys. Um, and so that, that, you know, they got back to what they do, which is, you know, allow Jamel Dean, um, you know, allow the corner Zion McCallum to, to play press man, put their hands on the receivers, try to bump them, try to get them off their spots. Um, use your length, use your speed because why you, you didn't plan on that quarterback getting the ball out as quickly. He's a rookie. He was going to get a lot of pressure. Um, like I said, they were going to try to stop the run on the way to the, uh, on the way to the pass. And, and then when they got to third down, they committed extra rushers, you know, so you didn't have to cover for that long. I would like to see them take that approach against most teams. Um, it's hard to do against some. San Francisco is one of them, you know. Uh, San Francisco has such speed receivers that, and and generally they're they're moving right. They put a lot of guys in motion that are at top speed when the ball is snapped. That if you try to put your hands on them and play press man and miss, they're by you and it's a touchdown. I mean, it's just that simple. Debo Samuel, those guys, um, they'll run by you, and and so I don't know that you'll see the same plan. With with the Niners that that you saw with Derrick Henry, but I guess the best way to say it is that Tennessee is is so simplified in what they do. There's not a lot of motion. There's not a lot of of you know moving receivers here and there or four receivers you know sets and they're just going to come out and play what Tennessee plays. And I I think that you know they had a really good game plan. They were aggressive. Did the did the players love playing that style? Yeah, that's what they do best. Um, and for one game, at least, they were willing to get back to Todd Bowles's aggressive nature. Now let's see what happens on Sunday. But I think it was, you know, part of it was just, you know, em- not embarrassing guys, but like calling guys out, um, letting the leadership say, you know, be, let's be accountable. This is enough. Do your job. And then part of it was it was a really good matchup uh, for what they typically like to do. And they got back to doing it. And then not only not only did they do it, but they did it well. They executed, you know. And that's you got to beat the man in front of you sometimes. And I thought Cansey did that. Um, you know, Yaya Diaby, another young blood, came in there and played probably as many snaps as Joe Tron Shawinka. And he showed pressure and he showed a pass rush. And I think he got a sack as well. So, you know, that that was what that was the the attack mode they were in. I'm not sure it's going to be quite as aggressive against the Niners. And a lot of it will depend on how the game goes, but I don't think they're going to come out and just, you know, try to play that go-for-broke style right off the bat because you, you've got a lot of things to worry about, including Christian McCaffrey, uh, both as a runner and a receiver. I mean, there's some matchups there that they any one of those guys, they got five guys that can go to the house on you. So you better you better not let those guys get behind you and if you're not getting a pass rush and Purdy's seeing it really well, uh, he's very accurate, and it's going to look like it did last year when he got him 35-7, to and that was his first NFL start of, of his career against Tom Brady, and he lit them up. So you don't want to repeat of that. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, Les asks. Rick, after nine games, the Bucks find themselves at four and five. Again, in your opinion, has Dave Canales been an upgrade at offensive coordinator over Byron Leftwich? Seems like at least statistically they're about the same, and we still can't run the ball even though we try too much. Yeah, I don't know that he's an upgrade. I don't think that's fair to Byron, although you know Byron is not coaching um, that I'm aware of right now. Maybe he's had a chance to do that, and I don't know it, but... Um, Look, they have the exact same record as they did with Tom Brady. Now, think about that. They have the exact same record as they did with Tom Brady. So, does that scream to you, hey, boy, that offensive coordinator really made a difference? No, not really, because, you know, they're four and five. But then Byron Leftwich had Tom Brady, and he had Julio Jones, and he had, you know, a lot of these guys that, they parted ways with, you know, Donovan Smith, good riddance, but um, Leonard Fournette, you know, like he had a lot of dudes that they paid money to. Uh, He had Russell Gage, for God's sakes, and this team could use a Russell Gage. But they got younger, and it's hard to compare coordinators. They're they're different systems, but it's an entirely different football team as well. You know, Luke Gedeke is now the right tackle, right? He was the left guard. Tristan Wirfs is now the left left tackle, and he was the right tackle, and so on and so forth. So, you know, aside from the two outside receivers, Mike and Chris, and Rashad White, who started most of the games at the end of last year, you do have you do have a a, a different mix, especially on the offensive line, and a different scheme. It's not the same scheme. It's an outside zone run scheme. The results are the same, though. They can't run the football. Um, they've started to find some answers, checking it down to, to Rashad. Brady did that. I remember Brady specifically calling for White off the sideline in a, in a fourth and game situation because he knew that White could want, run an option route and win, and he threw him the touchdown pass. And so, you know, there were flashes of it a year ago. Of course, in Seattle, about one year ago this week, uh, Rashad White had his best game, went over 100 yards, hadn't done it since. But I don't. I can't say. I can't sit here and tell you that after, you know, nine games, Dave Canales is better than Byron Leftwich. I, I don't know that that's true. Now Byron Leftwich also had at least the first few years, maybe not last year. He also had the counsel and tweaking of of Bruce Arians, you know, whose offense it belonged to, and he was able to adjust some things, and. You know, Canales is learning on the fly. So hard to compare the two. Do I think he's better? No. Um, I think he's different. And if this is the way you want to attack, and it's probably, I know this, this style is best suited for Baker Mayfield and not for Tom Brady um, because there's a lot of movement in the pocket and there's a lot of bootlegs and waggles and things. And I feel like, you know, Mayfield has done a good job of using his legs. Brady never would do that. Um, 
So I don't think you could plug Brady into this system and say, well, he'd be better. It's always hard to compare, but the results are what the results are. You know, they're not much better running the football. Um, the quarterback's probably going to throw for fewer yards, fewer touchdowns. He's got less attempts. And I think that's what Bowles wanted, you know, some more balance or at least, you know, protect his defense a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I I don't know that it's better yet. But let's see what happens in the second half because, again, they should be getting to that point now where they understand the offense, they understand the blocking, they understand the running game. Uh, Rashad should be more comfortable. It could, it could improve, and they do have at least uh, the ability to throw it to him. I'm just not ready to just say, oh, yeah, that, what an upgrade Canales was. I, I, I don't see that yet. You know, just to be fair to him and, and Byron, um, they look about the same. You know? and, and, the, and the two constants are, it's undeniable, if you don't like the blocking, well, they didn't fire Harold Goodwin, and they didn't fire their offensive line coach either. Um, and so they're the same. And they're still coaching, and frankly, their units are underperforming. So that, you know, Byron had to, con- had to deal with that as well. You know, they say he didn't call enough runs, but would you call it a lot of runs if you're getting, you know, the lowest per rush average in the NFL? I mean, I don't know if you're going to be second and nine all the time. You know, Dave Canales walks in every day and he goes, every day I wake up, it's first and 10. Well, every day Byron woke up, it felt like second and nine. Um, and this is just sort of what he dealt with. So unfair to say that one's better than the other. By the end of the year, maybe we'll have an answer, but I don't think we do yet. John asked, what's your feel for how the rest of the season needs to go for Todd Bowles to be confident he'll have a third season as the Buccaneers head coach? Well, I, I think they I think they need to win the division or come damn close to it, and that's going to take some doing. Um, you know, again, this you don't necessarily like the way they're playing, although there is some improvement on uh, on offense. I think obviously they took a big step on defense last week, but the schedule is what it is. Um, this week they will not be favored in San Francisco, nor do I think they're better than the Niners, nor do I think they're going to win that game. Um, and so now you're four and six. Okay. So what do you got to do? Well, you got to win nine and or 10 games. Okay. So if if you're four and six, you've got seven games left because you play 17. So you've got to win five of the, or six of the seven, you know, to get yourself to nine wins, right? Um, five or six, nine or 10 wins. And to do that, Let's just say you got to play Jacksonville at home. Now, Jacksonville just got pasted by the Niners, but up until now, I would have said, you know, the Bucs aren't favored in that one, that's for sure. But you got Jacksonville at home. You've got all the NFC South teams, including, including Carolina twice. So that's four games. So you, if you swept those four, right, you'd be at eight wins, and then you would probably need one or two more wins. Well, where do they come from? Well, I mentioned Jacksonville at home. Probably not going to win that one. But you're at Green Bay. You're at, after this, you're actually at Indy first. And and so at Green Bay, at Indy, at Green Bay, those two, let's see, four, yeah, those three teams plus the four games in the the division, seven. So Jacksonville, Green Bay, and at Indy, you probably need to win two of those, right? 
So you win two of those and the four games or even three games, right? Then you got five and four. You're going to win nine and or ten. Um, I think they have to get to at least nine. I think nine might win the division if you beat New Orleans. So I think New Orleans is going to be that team. I don't think it's going to be Atlanta. I think it's going to be New Orleans that will challenge you the most for the division. A win over them at home gives you a season sweep. You win the tiebreaker head-to-head. They can finish with the same record. So nine wins with a win over New Orleans, ten wins otherwise, is probably what's going to win this division. And I think if you win it, you keep your job. Could he keep his job if if he falls short of that and doesn't get to the playoffs? Less likely, but possible, but less likely. I just don't know what the Glazers' expectations were. You know, um, tell me how everybody plays. You know, is the quarterback thing a success? Uh, do they have some injuries that come into play at the end? Um, is does, is it his side of the ball that has another couple of collapses like they did in Houston? See, all that matters because he's the defensive coordinator. And I, I've said this a couple times that that loss in Houston, while suddenly now the Texans look like the real deal and C.J. Stroud's being talked about as an MVP candidate, after they went to Cincinnati and won. Um, that's your side of the defense. So now, you know, it's a little Lovey Smith, Smith-ish, if you will, when you had the you like that game in Washington. If, if the problem becomes the defense and you're the defensive coordinator and head coach, I want to fire the coordinator for sure, and I might as well get you on top of it, you know. And the track record. I mean, quite frankly, you know, Todd – was in New York, and that's a dysfunctional franchise with the Jets, but he only had one winning season. And, you know, while they could have won nine games last year if they played everybody against Atlanta, they didn't. They won eight, and they went eight and ten. And, you know, his winning percentage is well below 500 as a head coach. So how many more of those seasons, how much more evidence? You know, the Glazers have always said this to themselves, I think, in the past. Do we see ourselves winning a Super Bowl with this coach? Now, Nobody saw them winning the Super Bowl this year. I don't even think the Glazers think that's a possibility. Um, so we're not talking about now. But in the future, do you see this coach in a couple of years with salary cap, with some more drafts, maybe a quarterback, do you see Todd Bowles winning a Super Bowl? And if the answer becomes no at the end of this season, they've had no trouble uh, pulling the trigger and firing coaches. So I think I think the seat is very warm. Um I think they need to win their division games. But outside of the game against Jacksonville and San Francisco, they may be favored in the rest of them. They may be. And if you get an upset somewhere where you can upset somebody, but you got to get on a roll. You know, it's it's November now. Once you get to Thanksgiving, those teams start to separate, and we're going to find out very soon what the Bucks are. Graham emailed, says, On the November 13th podcast, you made strong comparisons between Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady. If Brady were the quarterback this year, they'd be shopping for players to join the team for a push to make the playoffs and make a run at the Super Bowl. Given Baker Mayfield's stats and in the improving team, will or should management consider doing the same this year? And if so, who could they go after? They won't do it this year. I mean, the trade deadline is over. If you mean next season, perhaps. But the reason is just that, right? Like, they they are very similar in the sense that they have the exact same record. I think they played pretty much the same quality of ball. I mean, it's hard to compare Brady to anybody, right? Um, But at least at the start of last season, they weren't great. The reason why they won't do it is simply that they've already 
spent the money. Like, you know, they, they're paying for the three years of Brady, both on the salary cap and in trying to get their cash back for all those acquisitions. So they won't go for it because it's not in the budget, so to speak. Um, and there's very little they can do now with the trade deadline over. But if you're talking about next year, if Mayfield is their quarterback uh, or whoever they decide their quarterback is, I mean, they're going to have more salary cap room for sure. Uh, but they've got free agents of their own they have to deal with in Antoine Winfield Jr. Possibly, you know, Tristan Wirfs would be on his fifth-year option. You might want to extend him. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of, you know, Mike, Mike Evans obviously is a free agent. There's a lot of guys to, a lot of mouths to feed with not that much room. Um, and, you know, does that mean you can, and, and then Mayfield's going to want a big contract. I mean, look, if, if Baker Mayfield plays the way he he's playing, and regardless of his record, but if he goes out there and he throws for over 4,000 yards and 27, 28 touchdowns and nine nine interceptions, eight or nine interceptions, somebody's going to see him as a starter, whether it's here or somewhere else, and he's going to get between 25 and $30 million, I think. So you have to also factor that in. Like how many more players can you bring in if you've got to pay a quarterback? If you're going to win, you're not going to be in the draft position to get one of those top three or four Um so now you're back in the free agent market. Would you rather just, you know, the devil you know, the guy you just invested a year in the new offense, wouldn't you rather re-sign him than take a shot at another free agent and you're not sure how it's going to work out? So a lot of questions they have to answer, but um, the reason they won't do it is because they did it already, and they're not going to continue down that path and mortgage future years um, because the plan is to get some of that back so that they can move forward one step back, maybe a few steps forward. Um, But in the meantime, it's very possible, very possible, that Baker Mayfield wins as many or perhaps more games with this team than Tom Brady was able to win with with all the veterans and free agents and the payroll they had last year. It's it's really, they're on similar paths in terms of their their path to the... uh, the NFC South title, which would be their third in a row, by the way. They've never done that. They've never won three division titles, a three-peat in the history of the franchise. So that's also saying something. Ryan emailed. He says, over the top to Mike Evans. Why is this ball 10 yards shorted? No safety over the top. Evans has to come back for the ball. Zero pressure on Baker Mayfield. It was a completion, but should have been a walk-in TD. Yeah, well, I mean... Ifs and buts, man. I mean, look, uh, you know, I I think it's very easy for all of us, um, especially those who have never attempted anything like this, including me in that, in that category. I've not, I've not played football. Uh, I was a baseball, a college baseball player. I did not play football at any level. Um, written about it a lot, know what it looks like, all that stuff. But I think it's very easy for people to say, well, look at that. I mean that's a that's a walk in touchdown. If he just gets it out there a little, you know, when you've been hit, um, if you don't trust your protection and just, you know, those are not high percentage throws if they go more than thirty five forty yards. So very easy to say, not as easy to do. You know, Mike was able to gather it at the five yard line, and because he had dropped one in the end zone, which was a perfect throw from Baker. Um, and he didn't put it away. He was he was pissed. 
and you could see his he, he was not going to be denied. He was going to get that ball in the end zone when he caught it at the five. So would you like to see that ball out over in front of him a little bit? Sure. Um, but you know all quarterbacks, even the best ones in the game, even Patrick Mahomes, I've seen so many players come back, you know, uh, for passes that he's thrown. Um, it's incredible sometimes that he can find guys uh, and scramble out of trouble and throw from odd angles, but they're not always dimes, right? And that that's just part of it. Sometimes guys got to make plays for you. Uh, you give them a chance, and maybe the throw's not perfect. And a lot of times, you know, you'll do that in the red zone where you throw it up, kind of a jump ball situation, and let your guy go get it. You got to trust that he will and that it won't be intercepted. Um, but I didn't... I didn't think it was that bad of a throw. Could it, it definitely, if it's on the money, he walks in. His biggest mistake was trying um, to get Devin Tompkins, you know, the interception. He was late on that. Initially, there was a linebacker covering him. By the time he got rid of that ball, the safety was there and then some. Uh, he should have taken the check down because they were, and they needed 10 yards for a field goal. And he's got Kate Otten in the flat all by himself. So that was a bad decision. It cost them points. Um, it wound up being like a punt because it, you know, the interception was deep in their own territory, but that's not what you go in trying to do. Um, but I thought he played a pretty solid game. In fact, I look, if you're going to nitpick with Baker Mayfield, just check, check your sheet as, uh, my good friend, Jameis Winston would say, he's among the top quarterbacks in so many categories, you know, and particularly third down, which is the hardest down sometimes. So Baker is not the problem. He's not everybody's cup of tea, uh, I'm sure. But, you know, find me a quarterback that was a free agent. You know the other two guys that were everybody was after? When I say everybody, I mean that was going to make the most money. Jimmy Garoppolo, who is benched with the Raiders right now, and Derek Carr, who got $125 million. Here's Baker Mayfield. If he makes what I think will be the only makeable incentive, in his contract, he might walk out of here this year with $5 million. They're paying Andy Dalton $5 million a year to back up Bryce Young in Carolina, okay? Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback bargain, free agent bargain, in the fo- in the National Football League, I think, bar none. And, he, he, you know, for all he's been through, four teams, 16 months, whatever it's been, I think he's been everything they could have hoped for, and then some. And not expensive. Now they're paying, you know, taking a $35 million hit for Brady. So the position's still taking up a lot of salary cap room. But I I don't know how anybody could nitpick with Baker Mayfield. He's a tough guy. Uh, he's smart. He knows the offense. He's doing a better job each week. He's avoided uh, interceptions for the most part. And he's got his team, you know, in a position anyway he got him down the field and in the end zone with 46 seconds left in Houston. They should have won that game. Um, and he's gotten him in position to win most every game, ex- with the exception of the Philadelphias and, you know, some of those. Um, the better teams, Detroit, I guess you would say. I I don't have a problem with Baker Mayfield. I don't know how anybody could, but I suppose there's still some people out there that want to nitpick, so have at it. We'll wrap up on this one. Craig had tweeted. Says after what Tom Brady did with the Bucks, and now the drop off from what the Pats are seeing with Bill Belichick's coaching tree has been a failure. Can we finally say it was Tom Brady and not Bill Belichick? Um, I I don't know that I'm ready to say that. Like, listen, 
great players make great coaches. Okay. I mean, it just, you're not going to be a great coach if you don't have great players and show me, show me an iconic coach, you know, in this league, um, that didn't have really great players. I, I just don't think they exist, you know? And that's, that's why I think Belichick knows what he's doing. Now, part of Bill's problem is is that he's also sort of the de facto personnel guy. He might be a hell of a coach and a really average personnel evaluator. I don't know. You know, it doesn't seem like, you know, for years and years they had Brady, but they didn't have receivers. So until, you know, they brought Randy Moss over and he threw 50-something touchdowns. I think Brady makes made, made Bill Belichick a lot of money and, and won him a lot of Super Bowls. I do believe that. But they drafted Brady. He helped develop Brady. And I've heard Brady multiple times say that he learned so much football and got so much better because of Belichick, because of, of what he imparted on him, uh, how he saw the game, how, he, you know, how they worked together, uh, game plans, all of that stuff. He made Tom Brady a much better quarterback than he would have been in many, many places. So it's kind of hard to, when you pour into a player and then that player wins and then a the player leaves you and goes away and you don't win, but then the player keeps winning, is it because you didn't pour into them? I mean, like you're not playing the game. So you need players, man. Mac Jones is not Tom Brady, never will be, never be confused for him. So he's got lesser talent. Of course he's not going to win Super Bowls with, with much lesser talent. And they had high hopes for Mac Jones, but it hasn't happened. Does that mean that he's coaching them any different than he did Brady? I, I don't think so, but I don't know because I'm not in those rooms. But clearly, the play it's a player's league. You know, it's a player's league. Play, coach quarterback league if you really want to break it down. And what makes the coach? The quarterback. So really, it's a quarterback league. Now, Josh Allen's a good quarterback, but they're not going to win. They haven't been winning, so it, he can't do it all by himself, Right. Um, but like I've always said, like within four or five teams, I can name you the Super Bowl champion every year. And I'm going to start with who the quarterbacks are. Patrick Mahomes, right? Like you're going to, you know, that, that's just what you're going to do. Jalen Hurts, you know, you're going to go through the list and go, all right, who's top quarterbacks? All right. Yeah. I like that team. I like that. Oh, I like them too. Um, does that mean that the coaches in those cities are the best in the business? Oh, they got the best quarterbacks. I know that, you know, and then, then they got to manage everything else around them. So coach gets a lot of credit. Obviously he's getting a lot of blame. I don't know what's going to happen to Belichick. That's a crazy thing up there. I can't imagine Bob Kraft firing him per se. Maybe they reach some agreement that he leaves or he's traded. Um, but I've always believed that Brady, you know, once he got going, um, that, that Brady was really, you know, responsible, um, not more so than Belichick, but it just, you know, it was, they wouldn't have won, they wouldn't have won six without Tom. I mean, I don't know what Belichick would have won, but it wasn't going to be six Super Bowls. And so, and, and, and Belichick knows that, but Tom also knows that Belichick poured into him and all that Tom Brady is may not have been all of that, uh, without Bill. So it, it's really hard to separate them. But I will always lean towards the player as the one because he's the one out there doing it, right? Like you can, 
you can teach them. You can, but, but you're the one with the ball in your hands, and 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 the one that's facing the pressure and the scrutiny and and getting hit and all that. So, you know, coaching can take you a long way, but the players have to, have to be the ones that make plays. And he had the greatest quarterback of all time. So, somewhere in there is the answer. I I I don't think we can say definitively anything. But if I was leaning one way or the other, I'd say yes. I think Tom Brady proved he was probably the biggest reason that they won all those Super Bowls because of how he's the greatest of all time. There's there's no to me there's no doubt about it anymore. There's no debate. All right, thanks for your questions. Uh you can always send those to us at any time. You don't have to wait for us to call for a mailbag, but you do that on Twitter at NFL Stroud. You can uh reach me uh, or you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTV as well. You can reach me by email, rstroud at tempbay.com. Tomorrow we'll have Matt Baker talking some college football. A little shakeup in the national poll this week, right? Uh, uh, at the number one spot, no longer Ohio State. Is that right, Steve? That is correct. Yeah. Who we got? Georgia. Uh, Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs are number one, followed by Ohio State would be two, right? Yes, then Ohio State, Michigan three, or Florida Michigan, State and four. Yep, Florida State four. There you go. The Fighting Harbaugh's still in there at number three. They go to Maryland, uh, and then on Friday they're going to have that hearing uh, on the injunction to see if Jim Harbaugh can get back on the sideline or not for the final two games as the Big Ten has suspended him for the rest of the regular season. Anyway, that would include the Ohio State game. So we'll talk to Matt Baker about that tomorrow on the big show. And then, of course, Bucks begin preparation for their game at San Francisco. Chance to talk to Baker Mayfield, um, as well as uh, Todd Bowles and others over there at at the Bucks. So join us tomorrow. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.